Hey everybody, welcome back to the For The Girl podcast. On today's episode, we have our friend Savannah Locke here and we are covering the topic of fear. Today's episode is for the girl who is struggling with fear. She gives us really practical tools and advice and stories for how to start to see fear through a new lens and how to really let God start to move within it. So if that's you, listen to this episode. We think you're gonna love it. Welcome to the For The Girl podcast. Join best friends Mackenzie Wilson and Mackenzie Baker from Delight Ministries as they talk about all things relationships, faith, and, well, girls. This podcast is for the girl expectant for her future, for the girl who is ready to grow, and for the girl who needs some honest answers. Get ready, because this is for you. Hello, everybody. We have such a special guest today. I'm so excited to introduce her. If you did the summer series, then you probably are already great friends with her and know her well. (laughs) But this is Savannah Locke. Savannah, say hi. Hi, everyone. Yeah, we're so pumped you're here. Savannah lives here in Nashville with Ken's and I. She is a writer. She yeah, has, we're roommates. Yes. <laughs> Is that you, what I made it sound like? Yeah, you did. We all live together in the house, actually. <laughs> and I make my husband live in another house. Yeah, he lives <laughs> down the street from us. Yeah, um, We don't all live in the same house. We all do live in the same city mm-hmm. of Nashville. It either sounded like we were roommates or we were the only ones that lived in Nashville. <laughs> Just there the three of us. Yeah. Oh my it goodness, weird. guys. It's been a long day. It's been a long day, but we are here and ready for this exciting episode episode but we are really really excited Savannah we seriously like look up to you so much and like just think what you do the way you share your heart the way you share so vulnerably and real is so cool if you're not following Savannah on Instagram what are you doing with your life really though you're about to just have so many awesome encouragements she also has a podcast called pep talks will you tell them about it you were just telling us so yes so my friend Barb and I started a podcast called pep talks and our goal was just to have like a Monday morning pep talk for people before they went to work or school Mm. or whatever that just got them grounded for the week ahead. And so everyone kind of covers a different topic like around mental health or faith or whatever. And we sort of try to be as informative as possible, but encouraging as possible to get people started. Wow. That's so good. She was sharing some of the topics they talk about earlier and you just had to listen. They're the things that nobody ever talks about, (laughs) which I love. It's intriguing and very exciting. You'd love to go listen. Yes. Okay, well, before we jump into your story and before we start talking about fear, we want to do a quick Mac and Ken's mess up. (laughs) This is Savannah's first time hearing our mess ups. Embarrassing. I know. Don't judge us. Okay, this one's really good. So we got invited to speak at this Women's Lifeway conference. Okay. And, and we were pretty stoked. <laughs> I'm yeah. already laughing. We were, yeah. We were pretty stoked. Like I mean, we, we really don't get invited to too many things. <laughs> so we were like, we are coming. Yeah. Best outfits, best and looks. Like, it wasn't just like, it was like the Lifeway like leadership conference, like women's leadership forum, something like it? that. It was in, it was like an hour away. And it's had like church out there. Yeah. But yeah. So, but there's like a cool backstage, you know, you get the backstage snacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. We were like, who did we just become overnight? Yeah. We overnight. Were, it was like an overnight success situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we sit down. Do we start, we go into okay, the room yeah. and we're looking around like, and there's all these tables with like all the names. You had like a spot. 
And so we go and we find our names and there's like an envelope on the table and then there's like a goodie bag on the chair. And I, we, I find Mackenzie Baker. I'm like, oh, Ken's over here. Then I see Mackenzie Wilson. And then right next to us was Beth Moore. Oh my God. <laughs> but just her name. <laughs> just her name. <laughs> right. Just her name tag. Yeah. And so we but were like, we lit. are sitting I next mean, to like, Beth Moore. That's pretty crazy. Yes. We were like, when's she coming? We're going to sit in this seat forever. We were like, so cringy. We're in, like, we're like Instagram storing it, you know, like back there. Like, I'm sure everybody was like, those girls have no chill. Mm-hmm. And, but the funny part was that Beth Moore was a speaker on day two and we were there on day one. So, like, we didn't actually see her. Mm. we were like early morning slot she was like late night final slot slot. yeah it's okay it's okay but step in the right direction yeah so anyways (laughs) you were preheating the room yeah exactly exactly so anyways i we get our goodie bags and like go home that night and i go home that night and my mom and i are looking through the goodie bag and i'm like oh this is fun all sorts of things and then i find this um this box and it has it's on it it says beth and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I took the wrong goodie bag. I stole. You would assume they were Beth, all the same. But I stole Beth Moore's goodie bag. Oh Turns God. out they had put a special bracelet <laughs> in Beth Moore's goodie bag that nobody else got. Like nobody else got this no. bracelet. How rude. And of course, I'm like, mom, what do I do? Do I like do I? go back do I say something whatever and like I was like freaking out and lo and behold I got like an email the next morning that was like did you happen to take Beth Moore's goodie bag and so I had to do the walk of shame into the Lifeway offices and drop off Beth Moore's goodie bag because I I was the low on the totem pole like peon who didn't matter and I stole Beth Moore's goodie bag so what did the bracelet look like I didn't open it like I would have snooped that is discipline I would have snooped too yeah (laughs) I don't know I probably would have tried it I wouldn't have given it back. <laughs> You're like, no, I didn't. Like, take I didn't her. get Beth's bracelet. No, I don't know. <laughs> they me. were like in the email. They're like, it was a special gift for Beth, and like, wow, and it's okay. Like, it's I okay. mean, how embarrassing! That's like a little mortifying. Giving it, what'd you say when you had to give it back? Were you I like think giggly? I just dropped it or? off at the desk. Like I left okay. it in the front desk. It was like for Beth, you know. Oh, good, good, good. So good. yeah, wow, good one. That was a good. A I feel like if that was in a Netflix holiday movie, though then what would have happened is that Beth Moore herself would have called and been like, did you take my goodie bag? And yeah. you would have been able to meet her from that. Oh, but unfortunately you got yeah. stuck just bringing it to the receptionist. I know. Oh. Maybe one day that I could cool meet back. Beth in person and be like, Beth, I stole your goodie bag. Yes. Yeah. Did Definitely you ever get that day. bracelet? Yeah. Like a Christmas or a Chris Beth miracle or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Anyways, there amazing. we go. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, Vanna, I always hesitated <laughs> because I uh, I hesitated because I only still use your last name when I say your name. So now yeah, I'm struggling she, with your first name. I always say Savannah Ellis, yes. mm-hmm. but she got married three years ago, That's and totally I'm still okay. calling her that. It's my middle it's okay. name, so it's kind of okay. fine for you to call me Savannah Ellis if you want. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Savannah Ellis Locke. Yeah, anyway, we are so excited for, to have you today, just because I know that you, the Lord, has just brought you through so many ups and downs since knowing him and has taught you a lot in the, in all of that. Mm-hmm. And so we just want you to share some moments to all of our listeners that um, have stood out to you, particularly having to do with fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of us in college, there's just a lot of fear that holds us back. Fear yeah. of um, 
our major, what we're going to study, fear of family things at home, fear of friendships and being left out, Mm -hmm. fear of everybody else finding their dream career career, and you're the one left behind. Just like, I mean, so, so many things. And I know this is something you've walked through. So we just want to talk more about that. But to start it all off, we want to know just a little bit more about you, um, maybe even how you like came to know the Lord um, and what like your faith looks like today. Every one of those examples you listed, I was like, check, check. (laughs) I have experience Uh here in all of those areas. (laughs) Um, So quickly, how I came to know God. Um, Well, I grew up in church and um, my grandparents were pastors of a church. My mom was the worship leader. Dad was the church accountant. So like everyone Mm -hmm. was very involved. And just, I know that you are a pastor's kid too. Yeah. So there's so many good things um, to that. And then there's also like the difficult part where your identity becomes so wrapped up in like what you do in a church and um, the church becomes God to you a lot of the times. And so when I got into high school and started really like readdressing my actual faith and not just what my family gave to me, but what I thought about God, um, I listened to this podcast and there was this one standout line for me that just sort of changed everything from me being someone who, you know, went to church and did all the right things to actually starting to know Jesus as a person and this pastor said that God's affection for me didn't waver because of the cross. And so what he was basically Mm. saying is that like the cross was this demonstration of sacrificial love, which means that I am forever, no matter what I do, I'm forever loved. And that can never be altered or wavered. Yeah. And so that was when I was a senior in high school, I heard that. And it was just this sentence that all of a sudden just woke me up and Mm. I realized, oh my gosh, like this story that I'm invited into is so much more powerful and loving and expansive than I ever knew. And so ever since then, I mean, there's definitely been like, as you guys know, like lots of like ups and deconstruction and reconstruction and all of it. Um, But that moment was when I sort of woke up to Mm. who God was. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what did college look like for you? Where'd you go to college? Who was Savannah in college? We kind of knew. We knew knew who you were. Oh, we pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was underground, I feel like. No. (laughs) No, You were like the cool girl that led worship. Yeah. you like mentored everybody I knew I felt like yeah. too. Like, That's so serious. true. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like the disciple maker. Yeah, you were. I was definitely like on the grind for sure. So in college, I mean, I got a degree in theology and mm-hmm. I led worship at a church in Nashville called Ethos. And so I did that for five years. And so I kind of hit my niche with like who I was and what I did as far as a church context. Um, but definitely behind the scenes, there was a lot going on where in my freshman or no sophomore year of college, I sort of addressed all of these childhood wounds that I hadn't ever addressed before. Mm. And I started going to therapy. So on the front end of things, yes, like I'm discipling all these people. It's a genuine expression of my faith. I'm leading worship and it's all very genuine. Um, but at the same time, and I think a lot of people might relate to this at the same time, I was like going through a major crisis of like going to therapy for the first time and unearthing like a decade of my life that I had never really address before. And so I think that's one of the beautiful parts of college is that it gives you an opportunity to hold both of those tensions of like what, what you know to be true in some sense about God, if you grew up in 
a church context and then your experience and how sometimes those things don't add up. And then where do you find Jesus in it all and who are you in it all? And so I think that when I look back at college, externally, I was slaying it. Like I I was definitely like overachiever doing all the things, you know, in the name of God or Mm -hmm. whatever. But then under the surface, there was a lot going on to be honest. And a lot of that is, um, stuff I'm like just now working through six years later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, mm-hmm. cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I want to know too, I think like, um, I mean, I know like bits and pieces of your story, but we, we really are want to talk about this idea of fear today. And we were talking earlier, you know, when we were kind of deciding, okay, what are we going to talk to Savannah about? We've had, we've asked on like our Instagram a couple of times, like what are things that like you want an episode on? And a lot of people said fear and Ken's and I were both like, Oh, we're going to give the hard <laughs> topics to Savannah. <laughs> we were like, she'll crush it. And I think for you, I, I want to kind of start to dive into that. And like mm-hmm. for you, what is like maybe even like your earliest memory of like where fear kind of like slipped in for the first time in your life and like maybe you didn't recognize it at the time but even like how that has just like started to to play a piece in your life yeah so the memory that comes to mind um this is very random but the memory that comes to mind was when I was in middle school and I'll preface this by saying and I this isn't the podcast that we'll go into this on, but I was abused when I was eight years old by, um, one of my relatives. And so that changed my brain physiologically to be in survival mode. Yeah. Mm. So that was when I was eight. And what I remember the memory that just came up was when I was probably 11 or 12 and I was laying in bed and I was terrified of falling asleep because I didn't want to die. Like Mm. I just had this fear that if I died, that I wouldn't go to heaven or that, like if I didn't like forgive everyone or if I didn't, like if I didn't make a list of all of my sins and like mm-hmm. repent of them by name that God like yeah. wouldn't welcome me yeah, and that I would like mm-hmm. end up going to hell. So what that was like now looking back as an adult, because on in some level, maybe a lot of people won't relate to that. Maybe they didn't have like some sort of existential crisis when they were 11, like I did. Yeah. But when you look back at those moments of fear and for me, a lot of them revolved around what I believe to be true about God. And so mm-hmm. for me, I constantly, even now, kind of find myself slipping and shifting into this idea that if I'm not performing well enough or if my attitude isn't good enough towards certain people or things or if I'm not um, forgiving enough or disciplined enough or whatever, that God is just angry. Mm-hmm. And that I, my whole life is to appease this angry God. And while maybe I wouldn't have expressed it verbally at that point when I was that young, um, and even now it's like hard to admit that, you yeah. know, cause like on another level, you're like, no, God is loving. Of course yeah. I know that. Yeah. But the reality is, is that our experience shapes us. And when you have experiences like abuse or even like traumatic things that have happened in your house or even rejection from friends or boys or whatever, that all is sending a certain message, which is saying like, don't screw up mm-hmm. or else. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that for me, fear really started um, hanging over my head when I had a difficult time discerning whether or not God was like really loving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I think that's so true about like, um, I think the narratives that we tell ourselves about God so much, it shapes the way we look at the world. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. much of like our truth in the world is how big our God is in a yeah. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's 
such a good point like that oftentimes like our fear I think we see it as like oh I'm afraid of this but how taking our fear back to like what do I believe about God and how mm-hmm. does this speak into because if we believe like our God is all the things that you know if we study like the names of scripture mm-hmm. that he is like our banner he's mm-hmm. our healer he's our protector mm-hmm. our shepherd yeah. mm-hmm. then like we could start to rewrite some of those narratives mm-hmm. but it's so crazy that that fear narrative starts at such a young age. Yeah. Like yeah. for so many of us, I think I talked to so many girls who are like, yeah, I, I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't fearful or I wasn't afraid of, mm. of these things that seemed irrational. And fear is one of those crazy things. It's like, it doesn't make sense all the time. And you're no, kind of like, what yeah, do I yeah. do with this thing? So yeah, yeah, for sure. Was there another moment? Has there been a moment like Do you remember in college, particularly when fear really had a grip on you and like your connection or your pursuit of him and the things he had for you? Yeah, for sure. I I actually had an anxiety attack in college. I've only had like Mm. three in my whole life, but I had an anxiety attack in college. It is like when you said fear is irrational. So Mm. I had to take this Spanish class. It sounds so crazy. I had to take a Spanish class my freshman year of college, I was supposed to take my second one, my sophomore year of college. And I just blew it off. Like I just didn't want to take it. And I realized my senior year, the only way I'm going to graduate is if I go back and take this intermediate Spanish class when I haven't taken Spanish in four years. And so (laughs) like freshmen. Yeah. It had been like, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah. And everyone else had finished it. Ooh, yeah, I hope you hear that thunder. This is what fear makes you feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But basically this for some reason, this Spanish class really triggered something in me where mm-hmm. I like walked into the class, the teacher exclusively talked in Spanish. So it wasn't like a English led class. And mm-hmm. I'm just feeling so incompetent, so yeah. unable to finish it, nervous that I wasn't going to graduate on time, already feeling behind because I was a semester behind all of my friends. And so basically, to answer your question, I had this massive anxiety attack before a test. Mm. And it didn't have to do with the test, like looking back and now that I can process things a little bit more clearly, the test though was bringing out like why fear is so irrational is because normally it's this thing on the surface, but you have to look behind the thing to see what's actually coming forward. And so the test was bringing out all sorts of feelings of feeling behind, feeling unworthy, feeling incapable, um, not Mm. sure what I was going to do with my life. And so when I think back to that moment for me, it was really the test was um, just the tip of the iceberg of something that was actually going on below yeah. the surface. Yeah. 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 What would you tell like somebody who has experienced something of the same? Yeah. Like I know, especially honestly, like classes, the overwhelmingness of so like much <laughs> school yeah. and pressure. Yeah, it's a real thing. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. What would you tell them? Like how can they like what are some tools or ways they can address it at least yeah because like college can be a pressure cooker especially depending on like your family of origin but like for my family every one of my siblings is ultra successful they're all what is the left brain right they're the side of the brain that's very analytical okay Okay, i am not so i am more of like the thinker existential concept person and so Mm. for me like three of my siblings were ahead of me being successful my younger brother was becoming an engineer so for me, this class, for some reason, represented my ability to like 
be successful in the eyes of my family, in the eyes of my sibling, in the eyes of society. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to someone who's feeling this immense amount of pressure surrounding school is like, I would check out your family of origin and say like, hey, like, am I feeling some sort of weird undue pressure here that God's not actually putting on Mm -hmm. me that I'm feeling for some sort of societal standard or familial standard? And I would start working through that. that. And when it comes to like pressure surrounding like grades or whatever, I would also say like, look behind the thing. So like, if you view it as an iceberg and you're saying like, okay, this physics class is really giving me so much stress. See that visually as the tip of the iceberg and then look below the water. And like, what is the 90% underneath there? What is that actually representing? And for a lot of people, it's like a perfectionism thing or a shame thing, performance. It could be anything. And just be willing to go there with God and say like, okay, God, like, what am I, what is this representing for me? Because unless you're willing to go to like the thing below the thing, you're never going to really know why, like your fear is always going to seem irrational. Yeah. 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 Does that help? So much so. Yeah. There's always such a root to it. Yeah. I was going to say, I think fear is often a blanket for like just something else going beneath the surface. And I think that's what makes it so tricky is Mm. like, it's often fear itself is often like not the thing we have to address. Like Mm -hmm. there's something beneath that and that is really scary and can seem like, how do you even go there? So yeah. Cause I think too, I, yes, I love everything you just said. That was really powerful. And I think that fear what it gives us is an illusion of control. And that's why it's so tricky because we feel like if we let go of that fear, if we let go of white knuckling our lives, then we're letting go of control. Mm. And another situation is coming to mind. It's a little bit lighter, but in college, I really liked this boy. I thought he liked me and... I remember having oh, a lot of we've fear been there. talking. We've yes. all been there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we went to this Ray LaMontagne com- concert together and I was like, surely, like he surely we like each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just kind of like beating around the bush. And so one day, like I just kind of like conquered this like fear of mine. And I was like, I'm just going to ask him what the deal is. And mm. for me, the fear around that was rejection. Yeah. And so I think fear when it comes to school could be stemming from one thing, but f- fear in relationships or friendships or whatever with people in community can sometimes be the fear on rejection that keeps yeah. you from being honest or transparent. Totally. So I would say advice around the fear with relationships would be vulnerability of saying like, hey, like this, this fear that I have Mm-hmm. is actually preventing me from having a genuine connection with mm-hmm. these other people. And it doesn't really matter. Like the response with that guy, for example, he was like, I'm so sorry that I've led you to believe that, but like, I don't like you. So yeah. I experienced the rejection of that and that hurt. However, that was better than living with a white knuckled view yeah. on life and being yeah. so afraid to like actually say how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Oh, oh my goodness. I've it been hurts. In- doesn't yeah. It? It's so true. But like, I think I was talking to a friend the other day and it was a similar situation and she was like, but I mean like, what if, what Aww. if he doesn't or whatever it was? And I was like, yeah, what if he doesn't like, aren't yeah. you going to be fine on the other side? And she was like, yeah, I am. You're yeah. right. Like I that you're right. And I think once you say that and you're like, yeah, what if that did happen? Like what if the worst thing you could think of happened? Like but at the end of the day, like would you still mm. know who you are and like who's it's you so are good. and like still have that like sense of comfort and that sense of like peace at the end of the day and she was like, yeah, I would. That and, is so yeah. good. That's actually a technique that therapists use. Oh, it's wow. like taking it to the end. <laughs> 
to the nth degree. <laughs> yeah, and so what that is true. doing is because fear can get so blown out of proportion yeah. with our imaginations uh, that what actually bringing that biggest fear scenario to mm-hmm. the table does is makes mm-hmm. it normal. So yeah, yeah. like, for example, with me, with that boy in college or with you, mm-hmm. for me, if someone had said like, okay, what if so-and-so rejects you, yeah. then mm-hmm. I could just be like, oh, well, I would be like, I would feel sad mm-hmm. and I would feel hurt. I would whatever. But when you're verbalizing those out loud, it's like, oh, the shadow that I've given this thing is actually way bigger than how the actual object is. Yeah. And wow, so that true. like could be another practical tool of saying like, hey, if you're feeling fear around whatever, what is literally the worst case scenario? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. good. Put that's it out on the good. table and make it a thing instead of, like it reminds me of... Um, I think it was in like the Grinch or something, but his little dog who I love, Max, yeah, yes. Max when love they, him. when they, they were playing a game and Max had a light behind him. And so you look on the wall and he looks like this huge monster, yeah. but then you actually know he's like a five pound dog. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes fear can mm. be that way where you look at the shadow on the wall and it feels so overwhelming. But when okay, you yeah. put it out on the table, you're like, oh, you're just a five pound dog. Yeah. You know? Totally. That's so true. That's so good. One of my favorite, like, characteristics of God, our, our father is him as the healer. Mm. Like I just love, I, I just so believe that. I think so often we live in this scarcity mindset yeah. of like, and we hold things to ourselves. Like this is never going to be okay. Mm. This is always going to be me. This is always what I'm going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. They're like, I was just built that way. That's mm-hmm. just in my personality. Mm-hmm. A lot of those things that we like just say over ourselves and like what's so sweet and powerful about God is he is the healer. But I think until we expose like the root, this like reality, that deeper mm-hmm. thing of what this, what is below and then below and then below mm-hmm. this fear. If we expose mm-hmm. that and not have like an honest conversation mm-hmm. with him, he will be able yeah. to step into that role as our healer. But if not, it's like he only will ever be able to part way. Yeah. Think, so. Cause he's not going to force his way in, yeah. you know, like there's a, a consent element to God where you have to consent to his activity in your life. And so Mm. by opening up and like going to the root, you're saying, God, like I'm inviting you into this part of my life. Wow. That's good. Do you still struggle with fear today? I mean, yeah, a million percent. (laughs) I like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Why isn't this a perfect story? (laughs) You've overcome. I mean, my fears have definitely shifted I mean, since I've, like, gotten married and, you know, you have, like, a house and finances Mm -hmm. and all of these things that you just grow into as an adult after college. And so there's just more to be worried about, it seems, but that's even a mentality, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's a scarcity mindset. And you don't don't know how much you think from a scarcity place until you are in those situations. And so I think it's just, like, the kindness of God to let us go through life in seasons instead of like giving everything to us at once. Wow, yeah. And so I feel like every new season brings something new yeah. to hold on to or, and to be afraid about or to like trust and give over to God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So true. Do you have any like specifics from this season? Oh yeah. I mean my, so my husband quit his job in January. He had been touring almost 10 years full time. And the work that I do is just under full time. So like we don't have benefits through my job, nothing, but you know, it's, it's enough as a supplement. (laughs) Um, but then when Todd quit, it became the only source of finances that we were living off of. And so we immediately halved our incomes. We have like a mortgage, we have all of these like 
things like insurance and stuff that you don't really think about as being like stressful triggers until you don't have enough to pay for everything. And so I would say the last seven months, like God has for real been working on my heart um, when it comes to finances and fear around that, because what I realized was I, as long as I had a certain amount in my savings account, like just a certain number for me Mm. that the minute that that was taken away, I was just so convinced that we were like abandoned by God or something (laughs) or that like God wasn't going to take care of us or whatever. Um, but what now, like Todd just started his new job, like seven months later in like what I can say, like after the last seven months is that like, I am way more free from being enslaved to finances than I was before. And I'm not as afraid of like insecurity when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah. That's crazy because like what that makes me think is that like on the other side of fear is trust. Like you get this opportunity (laughs) to watch God say what he says he's going to do and like show up for you. And if we're so fearful all the time, like we don't get to see the full character of God. Like we don't get to see him do like what he promises he'll do for us. So I think that's really cool. And I want to ask you too, because I'm I'm curious about this because I have several like friends in my life or just people that I've known for many years who are like, like seriously bogged down by fear always. Like they cannot shake it. And like, Mm. they're almost like so annoyed every time someone gives them another verse about fear. And they're like, cool, I don't believe it. Like, because here I am and I sit day after day and I'm fearful and I pray about it and I take it to God. And like, I still live in this like, almost like chronic fear every day. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, do you have like anything for them of just these people that it's not even like surface level fear. It's just like the hard stuff. No, like the anxiety. Yeah. 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 Cause it's real. Mm -hmm. And I think the easy answer and like the, the church answer that we grew up with was like, pray it away. And the reality Mm -hmm. is, is that there's more work that needs to be done. Yeah. And it's not to degrade in any way the power of prayer, Mm. but what it's saying is that like, there's like a working out of your salvation, which is, you know, in the new Testament. So like when you have to work out your salvation, it means that there's like a little bit of like a grind part of it in the sanctification part of Mm. it, which says like, how do you get to the, to the root of this fear? What am I actually afraid of? And I think for some people, you might need to edit this. I don't know what you guys think about this, but for some people like need to be on anti-anxiety medicine because there are chemical imbalances and there are things that God has given us like therapy and medicine and whatever exercise, just different tools that we can use to help our bodies regulate from constant states of anxiety. Mm. Um, cause it's, it's chronic at this point. Like our world is so stressed out that I think that we need supplements to be able to help. Mm, yeah. Help our yeah. bodies regulate from that. Yeah. Mm. Have you experienced that for yourself? Um, I would say my struggle is more along lines of shame. Um, normally what's below fear for me is shame. And so mm. when I get below the fear, then I start to deal with like unworthiness. I yeah. think for some people it's flipped. And yeah. so I think for people whose core passion is going to be like a fear thing versus a shame thing or an anger that people like that. No, I, I haven't been like that. Like I Mm -hmm. haven't lived for years with chronic fear Mm -hmm. and I only have empathy for those people where I can't imagine how exhausting it would feel and constantly overwhelming. It would feel to feel on guard and in survival mode all the time. And that's where I would say, you need to just be willing to get the help that you need. Yeah. 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 
No, I do love that. I think it's important to like, because it is real. Like it's a thing. It's like a chemical imbalance. It's something like serious that can't just be ignored. And, um, you can't sit in that for so long. Like God wants more from you. He wants healing. And sometimes it's a, it's just multiple step and multiple layers. And one of those might be, might be that. It makes me think too, like there's, God is this huge power of good, but we can't ignore that there's also, with all this goodness, there's this power of evil out in the world too. And like, fear is not something that I think is like totally erased. And it's like, we're just never going to deal with it. We're never going to step into it. And I think that's why those like practical tools of like, I'm facing fear right now. Like this is fear, fear. I see you. I know you, I I know what this is. And like, I got to like, bring on like my weapons against fear. I think we almost, if we like, are just like, no, I don't fear anything. Like you will, like you will seriously stumble soon enough and like come face to face with it. And I think like, it's just like living in the reality of our world that like, yes, like there's some bad stuff out there and some hard evil stuff. Like the enemy is real, but Mm -hmm. like our God is so good and big Mm -hmm. and like we have full access to him and we have full access to his spirit. And that's so good. I think that just encourages me even on days where I'm like, ah, I don't know, Lord, like I feel this. So yeah. And I want to ask you, like, what has that looked like for you? Like, how have you seen your fear and really how has it been like a spiritual battle? Mm -hmm. Um, and how have you fought for yeah, God for freedom. and yeah. freedom? Yeah. Um, okay, so two things. One thing that's coming to mind is this story in the Bible where Jesus heals this blind person out by the pool. I think it's Pool of Bethesda. Yeah. Um, but when Jesus healed this person, the first time he took dirt, put spit in his hand and then put it over the blind person's eyes. And he told him to open up his eyes. And he said, do you see anything? And the man said, I see um, men as trees. So it was still blurry. His vision was blurry. So then Jesus did it again and then again. And it was this healing process where Mm -hmm. he ultimately was completely healed, but it happened in stages. So going back to what we were just talking about, I guess I would want to encourage everyone that healing happens in stages and Mm -hmm. that healing from fear and shame, whatever you're struggling with, that it happens in phases and in different modalities. And there are going to be seasons of our lives that we're going to rely heavily on certain elements or people Mm -hmm. or things. And it doesn't mean that it's forever, but even if it is forever, that's okay. Because this, the reality of this world is that there's so much good, but there's also like a brokenness Mm -hmm. that we won't be completely free from until, you know, eternity. So that's one thing. The second thing to answer what you just said was, I actually can't remember what you just asked now that I'm talking. <laughs> I had another Bible verse in my mind and I was like, I'm going a little heavy on the verses. No, <laughs> I love amazing. it. So good. Yes. So, so good. I love that it happens in stages. I was wondering how have you seen it as a spiritual like right. battle and how have you fought for like the freedom? We're getting weird over here yes. asking these questions. No, I love it. So actually in college, there was this phase where for weeks at a time, like I was just having like heavy, heavy anxiety, having a hard time sleeping, yeah. couldn't like stay asleep when I did sleep. Every day I was just like constantly worried that like I was going to get in a car wreck or die or whatever, like all of the anxiety coming out all the time. Mm-hmm. And one night my mom called me and was like, you need to get into your house and just start like praying out loud. And it yeah. hadn't ever occurred to me for some mm-hmm. reason to do that. <laughs> and so I go into my apartment and I just started walking around and reciting the Psalm. I think it was Psalm 16 and it was talking about how God will make me like a gazelle to leap over these things and blah, blah, blah. 
And as I'm saying it, I'm feeling like faith just rise up in me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so powerful to really rely on scripture to um, be an anchor for me in this season. So night after night, I'm like doing this and I felt God say, you need to throw out all of your bedroom furniture. And in light of my story, which was like around sexual abuse and stuff like that, that was actually the same furniture. It was just a lot of connections there. And so I felt like God was like, just throw it all out because you're starting a new season. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, like, here we go. And so I, it sounded crazy to me. And I was like, I'm going to throw out all this furniture. So I threw out all of my bedroom furniture, went to Goodwill, got new bedroom furniture, and that was broken. (laughs) Like, it was a spiritual warfare attack sort of thing. And I am like, by no means that sort of person who would like initially think along lines of like spiritual warfare or spiritual, I don't know. I just don't really think along those lines. But like, when you know, God and you know his voice and when he starts saying stuff I'm like okay not gonna argue with you and that was broken for me um so that's like one example of when it was more of like a spiritual battle good does that answer I love that yeah (laughs) I love love, you're like I love you throw your furniture we love that story (laughs) no that's cool I literally had chills Mm -hmm. that was crazy wow I like believe that's real I think sometimes like we um we have to kind of almost be aware of that in a lot of ways yeah. because if you weren't if you would have just been like oh this is just me being anxious yes. you would have never gotten free from that right. like mm-hmm. it wasn't until you you saw it through the spiritual realms you saw mm-hmm. it through God's eyes and God was like we got to get this out of here yeah and like that's what's so cool is that like when you go to your father and when you bring your fear mm-hmm. to the feet of your father like he's gonna give you the tools to to release it I mm-hmm. love that and yes. I think that's really important yeah even if it's weird yeah even if <laughs> like, it's weird I've literally never done so any that weird to this day like yeah. it was the single weirdest expression of faith that I've that ever had so but good. honestly it makes sense like when you think about like the it armor of God sense. that yeah. we like grew up yeah. with or whatever where what that's doing is it's not like God wants to use militant language like for kicks but when it comes to like a spiritual realm like the first thing is like put on the belt of truth and what is that is like yeah. who is God who am I in light of mm. that and how do I walk into this world and so there's like a spiritual element to that yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. So in moments of fear, speaking to somebody who's in the middle of a season where they're just like, throw out your furniture. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. the first step. I know. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, how would you encourage them to hear God's voice over the enemy's voice in these? How do you? Because like, I know that's probably really hard for them right now. They're like in the middle of something really dark, really deep. um, And they're struggling to see any glimpse of hope, any glimpse of light. Mm -hmm. And so how do they like how do they position themselves to hear God's voice over the enemy's voice? Yes. So something that I have found to be super helpful for me is so in the book of Job, basically, we see this like illustration of like good and evil and God and Satan, whatever. And the way that Satan is named throughout the entire book of Job is the accuser. And whenever I think about like, okay, how do I hear God's voice? How do I know what's God? What's me? What's Satan? Whatever. If the voice is accusatory, like 
point blank, it's the devil. Like it's yeah. not coming from God. That's not God's heart for yeah. you. And that's difficult to believe when you're so used to living in a place of like condemnation and shame and fear. But if you even like for a while, I had to write that on my mirror that like accusations are not from God. And so mm. when you wake up first thing in the morning and the first thing you hear is like, you should have read your Bible last night. You should have done this. You should have done that. Any should have statements are not coming from yeah. God. Yeah, so I would say that's like a great way to like discern what is the voice of God and what is not the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this quote from Richard Roy that I just looked up that um, was super helpful for me Yeah, as well. Okay, so it says, if any thought feels too harsh, shaming, or diminishing of yourself or others, it is likely not the voice of God. Why do humans so often presume the exact opposite, that shaming voices are always from God and grace voices are always the imagination? So that's like when Mm -hmm. we're in our imagination, we're thinking like, oh, that's too good to be God. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the times it's actually the reverse. Um, And then it says, that is a self-defeating path. If something comes toward you with grace and can pass through you and towards others with grace, you can trust it as the voice of God. Mm -hmm. And so I love that, just being able to separate out like what is shaming to me and what is doomsday to me and then what is coming to me with like grace and compassion and love yeah yeah wow that's so good it's isn't so that helpful. amazing yeah i love <laughs> that really what was book. the guy's name again richard roy okay richard Richie. Richie. I love you, Richie. He lives in New Mexico, living his oh, life. Oh, yes. okay. I know his location. Yeah. Yes. I'm like I a very that. big Richard Roy fan. But okay. I think that like when it comes to like moments of fear, like we said earlier, it can feel so irrational. And yeah. like, am I going crazy? Why can't I think straight? Yeah. And I think like slowing down and just saying, okay, mm. God, look, what do you have to say to me? Yeah, and just trust that whatever pops up if it's within the line of like compassion and love and grace and mercy that you can trust that that's God's heart for you that's so good that's so good okay I have one last question about fear Mm -hmm. I think before we kind of wrap things up um as maybe somebody who is a friend who's walking through a season of fear with somebody else like what would you say to them? Like, how can we be friends who like come alongside each other and like help even to just speak truth, speak life, like speak, like back that like good, like narrative and identity of who God says that they are. And that's going to be a tough question. (laughs) No, it's a good, that's a great question. Um, I'll tell you what, what isn't helpful. Yeah, it's good. Um, and hasn't, at least hasn't been helpful in my experience, especially when people are in crisis. So like if someone's like literally verge of panic attack, major crisis moment, you don't go at them with like, well, God is good. And like, everything's going to turn out okay in the end. You know, there's like a sense in which that's actually pretty diminishing of their experience. And there are there's this study that I read from this random guy from MIT a while ago, and it talked about how in our brains we have these alternating neural pathways. And so what that means is like one neural pathway can go on at one time and then the other one can alternate the other time. And one activates when we experience empathy and one activates when we are problem solving. Mm-hmm. But they both can't run at the same time. So what that means in light of this conversation is when someone is experiencing fear and having a crisis, you can't be in fix it mode and have empathy at the same time. But when I think of the most powerful moments in my life where my friends have come alongside me, it's been with a a heart of empathy of just saying like, I'm so sorry. And I'm with you. 
Yeah, it's good. And when I think about Jesus, that story of like Jesus with the disciples on the boat and like the storm is going crazy and they're all flipping out like we're going to die and Jesus is sleeping underneath and <laughs> just like chilling <laughs> yeah, out. Chilling. And he came up, he calmed the seas and he said, why, like, why did you doubt? And there is like this sense in which God was like, I'm with you. Like, why, why are you doubting? Why are you so afraid? Yeah. And I think when we can come alongside our friends and be like, hey, like, why are you doubting? Like, what are you afraid of? And asking mm-hmm. questions instead of being like, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do yeah, this Bible good. verse thing and we're yeah. going to do whatever and like start problem solving. I think the more powerful response can actually be empathy and asking questions. That's, That's really, really good. good. Yeah. 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 It reminds me of what we were almost talking about at the beginning of discovering what's beneath the fear and then beneath the fear and then beneath the fear. Sometimes I like healthy conversations with friends who are intentional about asking those questions can really expose some of those roots and things, which is like a beautiful process to walk through. But watching friends go through like fear or when they're triggered, it triggers things in us. And normally out of Mm -hmm. our own insecurity, we start to (laughs) hone in and try to silence them. And so that's when things like, yeah. I call it the my Bible says person where it's like, yeah. well, my Bible says God is faithful and my Bible yeah. says, and it's like, yes, okay, everyone knows that. Like, <laughs> this is not that. Yeah. Like, or even That's the good. at least people, the people who are like, well, like at least, you know, <laughs> at least you have a mom or like at least oh, you gosh. are like, at least your class schedule is good. Wow. You know, where those sort of yeah. things where it, because it triggers an insecurity in us, we want to squelch them. Yeah. And yeah. I think what's the gift is instead of like coming at it from that place, coming with curiosity and asking questions and helping them get to what's below the surface. Yeah. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mac, I know you said this last question. I just have like one little one that I'm especially curious about. I'm so upset. I can't believe you. (laughs) No. Okay. Just to, this is a good found question too, because I think it's going to leave them with a little bit of hope in this heavy conversation. Because this is heavy conversation, Mm -hmm. but I think it also is a really, uh, it can be a really beautiful process that the Lord's bringing you through if you're struggling in fear right now. And so I want to know for you, like looking back on your life, I know fear has been a big part of your story since 11 years mm-hmm, old or mm-hmm. maybe even earlier. Um, and you're sitting here today, like how do you feel like your moments of like the overcoming fear and your journey in this process? Because finding Jesus, maturing and becoming closer, becoming more like Jesus mm-hmm. is a process. And mm-hmm. for all of us, it looks different. We struggle with a million totally. different things. So mm-hmm. for you, how has like your fear really like brought you closer to Jesus? What has it taught you? Mm-hmm. Like what has been like the beautiful part of struggling with it for so long? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just a good reminder that if we didn't struggle, then we would have no need for God. Where that our struggle reminds us that we're just humans and that there's a dependence factor that's a gift Yeah. Mm-hmm. when it comes to being in a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there was no tension in our lives, like we just would never grow. And yeah. the way I've heard that said is that if, for example, if a woman never had like labor pains, we, we would all still be in our parents' stomachs right now. Like we just, there would be no need without pain to birth anything new. Mm. And so I think that the nature of suffering is good in that because of Jesus, like it's always redeemed. And so when you were talking, I just thought about this, of something that I've learned about God's character that I wouldn't have learned without the last seven months specifically, but just definitely since I've even come to know God and I would challenge anyone who's listening to this 
to go back and read the story of the prodigal son and I wish that we could rename it the loving father because I don't really think it's about the son's rebellion because both sons were honestly wayward but I love I love the father's last statement in that story which was after the prodigal son had like run away and done his whole thing and wasted all of his money he comes back God meets him halfway and puts this robe on him and says you've all like you're my son I love you and so when I think about like that, I see the heart of God towards someone who's like wandering. But then there are the people who struggle with fear and perfectionism and who always want to do things right, represented in the older brother. Yeah. And the older brother is so mad and doesn't want to go into this party that his younger brother has been thrown because he feels like it's unjust. And the last line in the parable is the father going out and, and pleading with the older brother, please come into the party, like come celebrate, rest, um, party with us. And um, the son was like, how could you how could you do this? And the father said, all that I have has always been yours. Like you've always been with me. And when I think about moments where I've experienced fear in something that's now ingrained in me in a way that it had never been before, it's that attitude of God that says, you've always been mine. Mm -hmm. Like you've never been excluded from this. You've never been excluded from peace. You've never been excluded from the safety that comes with being my child and all that I have is yours. Mm -hmm. And so that posture of God towards me is something that I've come to accept more. Yeah. because of the fear that's so yeah. good yeah because of dealing with fear wow, wow. That's I love that so, story me too every time wow. I like it slays uh, me it's same <laughs> I love that you said like renaming mm. it like all about so like the father's heart to just like welcome us back yes. those that stray but I love that take that I think oftentimes a lot of us, especially that grew up in church, we don't relate with the like wayward son. A lot of times we we relate with the older brother. Yeah, who's done everything right. I do it all right, Lord. And like, you still don't see me. You still don't give me what I want. And I think that that's such a powerful perspective of God saying like everything that you could have ever wanted, like it's all yours. Like Mm. just step out and like receive my like love, receive my peace, receive like the gifts of mine that you can only get from me. I think that's so good. And like Mm. what a, what like a thing just to speak into fear. Like Mm. if you're walking through fear right now, like just like sitting with that story it's yes. like you find yourself in six months and you're like gosh what was that podcast I listened to about fear and like here I am in the midst of this like come back to this and like sit with that story again yes. I think that that's so good Sab so, yeah. so thank good. you so much, so much for truth. coming in on a random day and like chatting with us in the middle of a thunderstorm <laughs> literally the storm got so intense yeah. I was looking behind your head and just seeing lightning bolts I, <laughs> I honestly was, had a I moment where I thought Am I going to get struck by lightning? And I was like, that's because fear. We, no, no. We had so much electricity around us. I yeah. thought the same thing. I oh thought too. Gosh. And then I was like, no, Lord, that's not of you. We're talking about yeah. fear. Yeah. I am a child I'm, of God. I was literally I'm in my head thinking, thinking of this. the fruitful, positive things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so funny. That's amazing. Oh, well, well, seriously, thank you. thank you. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. And if you don't already follow Sav, seriously, you need to get on the Sav train. She's the best. She has like her captions will just slay you basically. <laughs> <laughs> and so gotta get on the pep talks podcast yes. i'm gonna start doing monday morning pep talks i'm yep. pumped so yeah, thank you again thanks guys and we'll chat soon bye we are so excited to introduce you guys to our new leadership course go lead go lead is a 12-week course designed for seniors or recent college graduates to mature in their spiritual authority and to activate their kingdom purpose This course will be relationship-driven, spiritually challenging, and will increase your influence in your early 20s.
Practically, this will look like a group of 15 women chasing after the heart of God. We'll have weekly readings and teachings. There'll be a retreat in Nashville, Tennessee, one-on-one discipleship with Mac and I. It's going to be absolutely incredible. You can apply at delightministries.com slash go lead and applications will be open until September 27th. You You are are a leader. leader. Go lead!